0: That's what other people do, they hold themselves out as experts and they get hired. Uh, So yeah, go ahead, bite the bullet, tell them you're the expert. Just say it out loud with your big girl voice.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader, who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now, I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you're listening. Welcome back to The Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Ware. And today we have a really awesome, amazing, well-rounded woman joining us, Winter Wheeler. And her name could not be any more perfect literally for being in print, on TV, everywhere. It is like the perfect name. (laughs) Winter is a former top civil litigator who has made her niche as an expert mediator. She is sought out for her unique, compassionate, and successful style handling complex matters that involve a diverse range of cultures, including Spanish-speaking clients. Winter is the creator of the four cornerstones of mediation, which she actually introduced to the world in her first TEDx talk. That was in March of 2021 on the heels of the great big pandemic. She has turned that methodology into a 14-hour mediation and certification course as well. Then went on to have a second TEDx talk, Confessions of a Mom Who Has It All, which we're gonna dive into with her today. And she is the co-author of one of the best-selling books, hashtag networked, as well as the creator and host of the Mediate Now podcast. So literally, Winter has it all, does it all, and is gonna share it all with us today. So welcome to the show, Winter.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: So, you know. There's so much to go into and talk about today. let us I always like to start for people to really hear and understand how, you know, your drive to be a lawyer turned into your drive to go into entrepreneurship and start your own mediation practice. Because I just think, you know, a lot of people out there, especially right now, this day and age we're in, women are looking for something different and hearing and seeing it from people you know, that have gone before that you can really feel and understand that gives people the reality and the understanding that they can too do that. So tell us a little bit about your early path and then how you pivoted into um, your current business.
0: So I started out as a civil litigator um, down in Florida. Um, mediation is mandatory down there um, at the time. So i participated, you know, as the defense attorney in mediations and always thought that those were my best days. I really enjoyed those, you know, seeing a client, you know, get a case resolved um, and kind of seeing that like sense of relief kind of wash over them at the end of it was always a really cool feeling. It was definitely totally a high, you know. Um, and, and so kind of in that process realized I wanted to be the mediator. I didn't want to I didn't want to be the lawyer anymore. I wanted to be the mediator. Um, and so I, I, I got myself a mentor and figured out a plan, a, lo- a very long-term plan, because it took me like what, six, 15, 16 years or something uh, <laughs> to become um, to become a mediator. Uh, and and it's it's been, like I said, it was a long plan. It was a long game, but it worked out. So um, I took very specific and intentional steps with my career uh, and the types of work that I did and the places I worked. And when it was time for me to make the jump, I I didn't know it was time. You know how sometimes when when it's time to make a move, the universe just kind of pushes you in that direction while you waffle about. Absolutely, <laughs> that kind of what was happening. Um, so I, I had the opportunity come up to start mediating. And I was initially kind of like, okay, well, this is awesome, but I don't have any clients. <laughs> so uh, I think I will continue to work at the law firm for a while and see kind of how that goes. And, well, the law firm was just like, I won't, I won't try to, I'll, I'll just be blunt. They were like, absolutely not. We do not want you building a practice uh, as a mediator. Just don't want you to do it. And so, um, I said, all right, cool. And I left. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of it. And in, in the book, hashtag networks, uh, I do talk, uh, very specifically about how, kind of how that conversation went. Um, cause it it was, it was not good. The, the woman that I spoke with at the firm, you know, she was just, she was just degrading quite frankly. Um, you know, she said, lots of people want to be mediators. Very few of them are successful. And there's no reason for you to believe that you'll be successful. Okay, cool. Um, and I did. I went back to my desk that day and quit. Um, so it's like, I was like, I don't need this. I don't need this at all. I believe in myself. I didn't need her to believe in me. Um, and so that was uh, November, October, October of 2019. And so, you know, right before the pandemic. And and I'm busily trying to figure out how do I build this practice now (laughs) from literally zero? And now this is my full-time gig. I got to figure it out. Um, And so I just kind of buckled down, got to it and and managed to do it during the pandemic. So um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how we got to that point. (laughs) I don't know what to say. I mean, that's
1: amazing. And I want, I have two questions to follow up on there. One, you talked about getting a mentor. Was that somebody you sought out? Was it like a paid coach? Was it somebody at your firm? Who, can you tell us a little bit about how you found them?
0: What role they played, et cetera? He was a mediator that I worked with a lot. Um, And I just started asking him questions about it. Um, and he realized I was, I was a hundred percent serious about it. Um, and so he helped me kind of devise a plan and he said, you know, you have to figure out what kind of mediator you want to be, where in your life do you want to potentially do this? Uh, and, you know, he said, you know, quite frankly, if you want to be a, a top mediator and one who makes good money doing it, you're going to need a lot of legal experience point blank period. You need to know how to do a lot of different things. Um, and so I set out to learn to do a lot of different things and, um, would, would pivot my career. Um, and I, I, listen, I was very blessed to be able to do it this way. I don't know if everybody would be able to, um, but I, um, you know, started out doing, you know, general liability defense, you know, doing some premises and, and things like that. And, Slips and falls and and that kind of stuff, um, which is fantastic. It's a great way to get started with mediation because there's so much of it, you know, car wrecks, things like that. And then I just kind of transitioned into doing a lot of municipal work and representing cities and counties. Um, that's a great little niche as well. Um, and then I, I did some um, employment law. And so, just kind of building on everything that I had, trying to maintain all of those practice areas <laughs> as I went about this process um, was difficult. But, you know, knowing that the end goal was to mediate um, and to be a successful mediator, uh, it helped keep me motivated during that very long kind of litigation slog. <laughs> for all of those years um so yeah i mean he he really did just help me kind of design um what the career could look like or should look like um and i i just faithfully executed over the next decade and a half <laughs> or so well i think that's incredible
1: and that really leads into the next point that i picked up on when you were talking about and sharing that story Is that the intentionality and the length of time? Because so many times I think really exacerbated in the last, you know, 30, 50 years with digitization, everything moving so quickly, people are used to, you know, right at your fingertips. Here is the thing. I'm gonna go get it. I'm gonna do that thing. But sometimes along the way, you know, you need to have a breadth of experience and you need to have you know, a plan in place. And it's very similar, not, I, I didn't have, you know, 12 plus years, but I did pick along the way on my path. Similarly, about 10 years, um, strategizing on, you know, the different areas of insurance that I wanted to focus on so that I could be well-rounded. And then, you know, it just kind of came to me that I wanted to be an entrepreneur instead. Um, and so I built out also my own practice like you, but the points along the way. And I remember, uh, especially my dad, you know, coming from that, uh, that generation, he was like, why do you keep changing jobs? Why are you doing something different? And I was like, believe me, I have a plan. Okay. I have a plan. This is not just, I'm not happy with my job. Let me jump to something that's going to pay me $5 more. Um, <laughs> it really was strategic. And I think, uh, that is what, part of the thing that I like to impart to women a lot is like when you're thinking about what you're going to move and do, it's so much more than just a monetary gain. It really is about what is going to help me get to the end of where I want to go. Do I need to position myself with certain people, with a certain type of company, with a certain type of work? And then in there also is that that factor of, okay, money also. But sometimes you need to take a new job to get a certain skill set that may not actually pay you more. Um, And if you really believe in your long-term vision and where you want to go, you got to take that leap of faith and be willing to do that. So I love seeing that you, you know, went along the way with this master plan and you kind of chipped away at the mountain, you know, stepping one at a time to build to your end goal. I just think that's really good and powerful for people to hear.
0: Ah, thank you. Yeah. I mean, we have, we definitely have that in common. Um, you know, I would hear that too, you know, from my parents, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, trust me, (laughs) there is a method to the madness, you know, and kind of, and being in the legal field, you're working with these much older people a lot of the time. And they were always very confused. What is she doing? Um, and I always felt like I had to lie to them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, I definitely want to be senior partner here when clearly that was not what I wanted. But in order to keep the train moving, these were the things that I had to do. Um, because, you know, the, the, that older generation, they just don't see it the same way. So there was never going to be a time where I stayed somewhere for too long because I certainly didn't want to get stagnant. I wanted to be out meeting new lawyers and more lawyers all the time. So I certainly couldn't stay in in one place for very long. And of course, you know, when you're working, if you're really good at something, people want you to do that thing, right? Um, And so there would be instances where, oh, winter's really good at at this. And one one example was residential water intrusion cases. Yeah, those were somewhat interesting for a little while, but did I want to be like water intrusion girl for the rest of my career? No, absolutely not. (laughs) That's just... Wow.
1: What, what a, I mean, just think about the name of a podcast. I mean, I'm the water intrusion girl. Are you having water spilling into your home? I will help you. (laughs) I mean, no, we need people that do all these things. Okay. This is foundational things that yes, but I feel you, if you are a growth oriented, learning oriented, knowledge seeker, you're going to kind of tap out there at where you can go. Um, and, You know, I know for some people it's wonderful to have this awesome job and career and making pretty good money um, without having to keep stretching yourself. That works for some people. That has never worked for me. It was I always got the idle fingers syndrome. My husband even says it's like, oh, there's not enough going on. We don't have any projects going on. You don't have any investing to do. You have to find. I'm like, yes, I, I, I just can't stay at this place, um, which sometimes mm-hmm. I, is a blessing and a curse. <laughs>
0: ah, sometimes oh, I would yeah. like to
1: relax more, but, um, that's not our personality.
0: <laughs> no, definitely not. And, and <laughs> I have to try to be more careful about that. So, um, I, I did tell you this as part of, um, what's been going on with me recently. So I injured myself. I hurt my ankle. Like I fell because I'm just clumsy, right? I wish this was a fabulous story. Like I was skiing and no, I just fell over a curve. Oh no. <laughs> hurt my ankle and didn't want to take the time to like go see a doctor. Um it didn't get better. So I'm like, let me go make sure this isn't broken. So I like, go get x rays. Okay, cool. It's not broken. It'll heal. Well it didn't <laughs> No. It did not. So finally, I I'm, I break down. And I go to the orthopedist. And she's like, you've been walking on this for like months? I'm like, yeah, it's been nearly a year. She's like, oh my God. And, and so um, I did physical therapy. I had to stop and do all of the things. Like if I would have just stopped and slowed down a little bit when this happened, I wouldn't be here right now wearing a boot. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. So, you know, the doctor essentially said to me the same thing. Everyone is always saying to me, Winter, slow down. You don't always have to be moving. Um, she's like, I want put, to put you in a hard cast. And I was like, don't do that. Like, like, don't, don't do that. I can't take that. <laughs> like, I will literally not be able to do anything. And she said, well, I'm going to put you in this boot and you Better have it on unless you're sleeping. And I was like, "Yes, ma'am. I will, I will do it." And I am so slow right now. I hate
1: <laughs> You got to get one of those scooters, girl. You got to get one of those scooters where you like have the one leg on. And you're just scooting down. Right, right. <laughs> you I'm can, gonna... you can still go fast without. But, but she's right. If you get a hard cast, that will really slow you down. That will complicate so many things. Um, so you got to get it fixed. <laughs>
0: you got to let it heal. <laughs> If I can figure out how to accessorize a little scooter like that, I'd probably be game. But I'm gonna
1: give it some time. Oh my gosh! Well, speedy recovery for that. You definitely have to let it heal. You you can't yeah. be uh, burdened by that. There's too much to do and too many exciting projects to tackle, and all your kids. So that oh, is yeah. something else. You have. You're a mom of how many? Four. So this whole time. You're going, you're working hard, having babies too.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there
1: anything, you know, what do you think was the hardest or the most challenging thing of having kids and practicing law?
0: Oh God, working with people who didn't care. <laughs> oh. Truly. Um, you know, you've, uh, you've probably heard that, saying, and I'm going to butcher it because I'm on the spot, but it's, um, it's like women are expected to work as though they don't have families. Right. Yes, And then, you know, parent as though you don't work, (laughs) something's got to give. Right. And, And, you know, I remember very specifically, and this was just the craziest situation. So I think at the time I had Two children. So I mean, now this is just this would be easy. But yeah, having I had two kids. I had been busily working on some some project for a senior partner and um gave it to him, let's say it was like a Tuesday afternoon. Um he comes back to me on Friday afternoon as I'm like about to leave to go get my children from school because my husband works on um evenings. Um and he's like, Well, this isn't done. And I said, well, I gave it to you on Tuesday. I will happily work over I'll work on it over the weekend. But right now, winter is leaving. <laughs> I have to leave this building and go get my children. Um, and he was like, well, this is really unprofessional and irresponsible. And I said, is it though? <laughs> said, I did what I was supposed to do. And it is now... And it was in your hands. And so I can't make this an emergency over and above my children. I said, you know, send me an email later. I'll work on it um, and left. But it was just, it was infuriating. It's like, he knew I had children. Why suggest that I don't pick up my kids? And it was things like that. I remember I, um, I had very hard pregnancies each time. Um and was ultimately disabled with every single one of them. And um I for my first baby I went out on maternity leave like a, a month before my due date. Um and as I'm preparing to do this, I remember one of the senior partners said, you know, I just I don't understand why you have to leave this early. Um, you know, I've got three kids and I've never seen such a thing.
1: <laughs> was it a man or a woman?
0: Oh, it was a man. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it was a man. It was a man. Um, but I've I've heard terrible things like that from women too. So uh, you know, it's just. It, I think it's a generational mentality, not uh, not just um, gender specific. I'll say.
1: Yeah, I've worked with some ladies that I actually tried really hard not to work with. Um, mm-hmm. One in particular that didn't have children had been a career, you know, lifer at. The company we were at, and I knew I'd gotten her wind that she wanted me to come on her team. And mm-hmm. I, you know, behind the scenes kind of went around the way that that was going to go and got myself in a better position yeah. um, because it, it was very clear to me that she was not going to be understanding of having a life beyond your job. Um, and then I went to work with a man, so this is why it, it, it definitely, you know, it's not you can't stereotype everybody. Um, who had a stay-at-home wife. So he, by and large, did not have to do all those things, but was more than understanding and valued family above everything else. And, you know, worked with me when I had my first child on how everything was going to go, how that looked while I was pregnant, after, you know, while, just everything. Um, So it was, but it is really interesting to me that even now, I still hear that. And really, with people that are probably more in our age category than the generation above us, um, and it's just baffling. I mean, I, I think it should be so obvious, especially, you know, if you are a man who has a stay-at-home wife, and then you're working with a woman, clearly, mm-hmm. the woman does not stay home. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever your wife is doing all day to help the kids in the house and da 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 Well, guess what? Somebody else still has to do that. Um, So not having any common sense or just feel about that. I mean, it's just just basic human things that that blow my mind. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, when you have real deadlines, real emergencies, you know, I think most people like you or I are going to say, fine, if I need to stay till eight o'clock and get something done that is truly like you have a filing the next day or something, Mm -hmm. you know, you have trial coming up um, but when it like doesn't have a hard deadline why are you putting these expectations on people and right. why would you even want to have that on yourself like we should all have a
0: life right like a late Friday afternoon like artificial deadline like sir yeah. <laughs> this is not a real deadline
1: <laughs> it's like there should be a law that offices is closed down basically unless you want to continue working or have a project right All non-essential work is concluded at 4 (laughs) p.m. I mean, basically should be the rule in my book. Uh, And that's how I try to handle it with anybody, you know, that I work with, whether a vendor, whether, you know, somebody I'm paying, consultant Mm -hmm. or my employees, I always feel that way. And I tell people that and I lead with that. Uh, It just should be what it is. So then what, you know, when you transition back to work, um, what do you think was the hardest thing, you know? getting back into it um, other than, of course, you know, having to pick up kids and do that kind of stuff. But was there there anything specific that stuck out with to you that, um, you know, if you could see things or control things that you would have it be different?
0: Oh my. Yeah. I feel like the the general attitude toward me was different every time. So uh, this one particular law firm, I had two of my children there. And it's like, at this point, like, I had my third and fourth babies there. So, I mean, clearly I was still working, right? But there was always this kind of anticipation that suddenly I was going to stop working. It's like, oh, are you coming back? Are you sure? I'm like, yes. At what point have I given you any indication otherwise? Uh, And it was just frustrating having to, you know, feeling like I'm constantly having to re- dedicate myself. Um, it's like, I haven't changed y'all. You, <laughs> you're the one struggling here. Um, it, it, so it, it was a lot of that and, um, having like work expectations kind of shift or not even expectations, but work responsibilities. So, you know, my caseload would change or the types of cases I was able to do would change, um, you know, in that lead up, to maternity leave, they, they essentially like want to take everything from you, right? Like, oh, you're going to be gone. But I'm still here right now. And I anticipate being here for the next, you know, six months. Like, but if there was something that I could have changed, it would, it would be, um, just allowing people to live their lives. Like pregnancy is not an illness, It's, um, I mean, I was disabled eventually by the end of my pregnancies, but it's not generally a disability. Um, I was still physically able to do my job, which consisted of sitting at a computer and typing. So (laughs) I was still able to do it. Um, But I, I think it would have been so much more beneficial if we were having like open conversations with women about what they expect of themselves, for themselves, and what they know their bodies will allow them to do, um, as opposed to having um, kind of the hierarchy guess at it and, and thrust these <laughs> kind of old-fashioned limitations uh, on us. and then, And then even just practically speaking, you know, I nursed all of my children, so I had to pump when I went back to school, back, back to school, when my second, when I went back to the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not have children in school. Um, and I remember, so I had this this uh, office that was like full glass paneling, right? So they had to put up like box paper, like there's this brown paper to cover it up. And I'm, I remember I was, I had my door closed and I'm pumping and I can hear one of the senior partners talking to my secretary, literally right outside my door. I just think it's inappropriate that she's got this paper up there. I mean, we can see all the other lawyers. Why can't we see her? <laughs> oh my God. Just the the lack of awareness and and care was just oh it was palpable that
1: is so bizarre i mean on the mm. one hand you could say well if you give a pump room then you're all good and then i don't have to do this but on the other hand i personally would say and what i did is like to just pump in my office too <laughs> i did really? not want to have to pack sure. everything up and go somewhere else my computer was here um so i at right one, I
0: work and pump
1: yeah at my at my the place i had my first child um my doors were and everything was opaque and we had um Um, some kind of window covering that we could pull down. Um, So I would just put up a little sign and I was like, hey, everybody, this is what's going on. So (laughs) enter at your own risk, because I had screens there. So even if people did come in, they couldn't see, but you know, most people would probably be more uncomfortable than I would have been. I would have been like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um, But at my, the next place where I had my other two children, (laughs) I had glass doors, but we had a little huddle room and nobody sat over there. So I would just go and turn my back to the wall. Cause we did have pump rooms, but it was like two floors down and other people would be in there. And I, cause it was a very big, um, campus that we were on and I just didn't like that. So I was like, (laughs) I'm going to risk it and I'm going to go. Cause I just, you know, after you have a couple of kids, you're just not that Embarrassed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I definitely didn't care. I did have, um, didn't have locks. There were no interior locks on our doors, so I got a, um, what is it? A, a doorstop. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's smart. Doorstop. I wouldn't even. I didn't even know about that yet. Yeah, I just put a doorstop under there, and, um, I mean, I guess if you try it hard enough, you could push your way through, but you know, enter at your own risk <laughs> at that point. You know, I didn't care.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So continue to working. And I always think it's, I mean, I have three kids um, and I ran into a lady at our kid's school who I, I knew they had six kids, but I did not realize she also continued to work. She's not a lawyer. She does something in sales. Um, but I was like, Wow six kids and you continue to work. And she just looked at me so abruptly and said, you know what? I am not my kids. I am a mother, but it's not all that I am. And I need to maintain that. And that means a lot to me. And I was like, girl, let's go have coffee. You are my kind of lady. So how did you balance everything? I mean, I know that nothing is ever perfectly balanced, Um, but how did you make it work? You know, I, I think some people out there are probably teetering on that. Like maybe they want to have some more kids, but they're worried that they really do love their job. They love everything else. How are they going to get it all done? So what, you know, as a very experienced mom now, how do you, ma- how did you make that all work?
0: Um, I, I, Listen, I had a lot of help. My husband um, is typically home during the day. Um, The kids were going to school. Uh, so, I mean, if I had to work with it late and I couldn't pick someone up, I'd we typically had it set up so that it was never expected that I would be able to pick someone up. So we just kind of worked around that. Um, and I, you know, I made very clear with my husband before we got married, like I, I intend to have a career. I am not one of these people who is going to stay home. That is just not me. Um, I watched my mom stay home her entire life. Um, and that didn't end well. (laughs) for her. So there was absolutely no possibility in the entire world that I was going to be reliant upon a man. It just wasn't going to happen. So going into a marriage with me, knowing that I wanted to have children, he was just going to have to step up and help, period. That, that was it. Um, so he knew that. He's certainly not anywhere near as helpful as I would like for him to be, <laughs> but he's a heck of a lot better <laughs> than a lot of people. I love it. Um, But, you know, and then a lot of the time it's like it's not it's not balanced at all. I'm like running around like a crazy person with my hair on fire Um, But we've and we, we have a very small village, but we do have people we can call on, you know, in an absolute emergency. But really, it's just been, you know, mommy works and I can't be everywhere for everybody all the time and don't expect it truly um when i when i was working in law firms the kind of expectation for me was that i would be working overnight for the most part and on weekends which you know looking back <laughs> i can't believe i was actually able to do that um but uh you know and still of course in during all of that i'm still in the mindset of I need to build a mediation practice at some point. So I need to be socializing with people and meeting people. So my, 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 my last law firm in particular, um, I was leaving work probably around 2.30, 3 o'clock every day. I'd get there around 7.30. Um, but i leave around 2.30 or 3 and I would go have drinks with whoever, right? this plaintiff's lawyer, this defense attorney, whoever it was. And I kept my social calendar pretty full. Um, And I just went home and worked. And so my office kind of just had to get used to it. That was what I was going to do. Um, And they thankfully were fine with that. Um, And so no one was really trying to keep tabs on me. But it did mean that I was spending a lot less time with the children. And so it was, it was a conscious decision and investment in myself and in my future. Uh, I felt very guilty about a lot of it, but, you know, I always believed in myself and and that it would be worth it ultimately and be what was best for my family. Um, And I was right. So (laughs) I have, I ultimately have no regrets there. Um, I think, you know, and I still have these pangs of guilt, but like maybe the kids don't get it. Um, But I think that they really do. And I I, I think all of that guilt, it really is self-inflicted. I think children are perfectly fine with their parents working. Um, I don't think they love me any less or know me any less than they otherwise would. Um, And it's really cool, like when... Whenever I'm feeling a little bit like bummed out that, oh, mom couldn't do such and such, you know, I'll like happen to walk in on my kid's play mediator. Like, that's so cute to me. Like, Aww, <laughs> you, know, that so is. you know, they know what mommy does and they know mommy is, is taking care of them and, you know, you work and you get money and I get my things. Like, <laughs> so I think they get it. So what is like some advice you would have to
1: give people who are struggling with that mom guilt? Because I don't think I've met anybody, anybody working or not working that hasn't had some form of mom guilt. So do you have any tips or tricks for people and how you can kind of set that aside and really focus in on who you are and what you need as a person as well?
0: Yeah. Um, in therapy. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was a lot of therapy. It was a lot of um having older women mentors, watching other women do what I was trying to do, seeing how they were able to succeed. Um and really what what I find works best for me is understanding and accepting that I can't I can't always you know, jump and run because they need a, a a reader for the afternoon. Like that's just not what this mommy can do. I can donate to lots of things. I can have playdates on the weekends. But if, if you're expecting mom to like surprise you at lunch one afternoon, like it's just not going to happen. Um, and so I make sure to have... Surrogates do that kind of stuff for me. Um, my husband will do those things when he can. I'll have you know some of my my girlfriends do it for us. But it was really just I had to accept I couldn't do those things, um, and I try to make up for it in other ways. And. The children i think they just adapt to whatever it is that they see and you set the expectations for them and be like okay mommy really is not ever going to be the surprise mystery reader like that's just not mommy's thing mommy's not doing that not going to be like room mother <laughs> so don't don't ever be disappointed that it's not mom who shows up mom's not coming
1: that you know what on room mom that is something Oh, gosh, I, I definitely did for my first son in kindergarten. And I had a <laughs> sister wife, <laughs> also a working mom. We were sister wife, room moms. And because uh, I was like, OK, well, if we did it together. But I just realized, honestly, Winter, I just realized this is not my jam anyway. This mm-hmm. is not filling up my cup. If I want to come to the party at the school, I'll just show up. But right. I don't get that much enjoyment. I like to plan parties, but I don't want to I don't really care about planning it at the school and for those activities, let the moms that really enjoy it. If you love doing it and can make time in your schedule and really want to do it, go for it, girl, do it. But don't, that's what I always tell people, just don't feel guilty about it because you see other moms doing it. It's because this is like what they were meant to do. They love this. This really revs their engine. If it doesn't do that for you, why even stress about it? That's just what I had to come to terms with is like, I'm not a bad mom. There's other moms that'll do it. They're gonna do it better. They're gonna have more fun doing it. They're not gonna get stressed out. I get stressed out about it because it's you know something extra, and I don't love doing it. Why put that pressure on yourself?
0: Right. I think we need to to keep keep in mind like it's important to be your authentic self because right. if you're doing these things out of a sense of obligation and you have an attitude because you know you will, your kid's gonna pick up on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So let me just do the thing that I know that I can do happily, um, and set those expectations as we go. Absolutely.
1: So, what is it? What do you, Winter Wheeler, think it is to have it all? Because you know you do. Oh wow,
0: man! I had to, I had to realize that having it all was going to look different sometimes depending on the day. (laughs) You know, I wanted the marriage. I wanted the kids. I want the career. And I don't want just any career. I want a super successful career. Um, And I can't do all of those things well every day simultaneously. So first and foremost, I need to be a good mom. But being a good mom often just kind of involves a lot of planning on the front end for me. So, you know, if I can, if I can take you to school today, awesome, but don't anticipate mommy is going to be the one who's taking you to school. Um, because, ah, and it always, and see, it still feels weird for me to say it, but I'm not going to do anything that ever, ever jeopardizes my career or where I've put myself because I have worked, I'm going to say, I mean, I remember being stressed out in like pre-K because I wanted to be so perfect. So I'm going (laughs) to say I have worked for 41 years to get here and I'm not going to let anything screw that up. So I get my kids set up. I get them what they need. I make sure there's food in the house. I make sure the housekeeper's going to come. I make sure somebody's always here with them. But if mommy needs to dedicate the day to, you know, helping a victim resolve a case, that's what mommy's going to do. Don't call mommy. And so that's what that day looks like. That's what having it all was for me that day. Um, and then some days, you know, so like Monday for me was one of those work days where it was like, I don't want to, I can't talk to anybody. I got to focus, right? But then yesterday, um, it was a kid day, and I focused on them, and they really wanted to go see the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, so we got tickets for the first 3D showing, and I took the day off, and and that's what we did. I focused on them. I had a big breakfast for them and all the things, and I will go all in for that. And I didn't even check my email. So that day I felt like Supermom, and I had all of that for that day. Um. And so sometimes I get lucky and I'll finish work early enough to go pick someone up from school and we'll all have dinner together. But I just try to be flexible about what that might look like every day and try not to feel guilty for it. Um, I've had to build um, some serious boundaries with my clients uh, about what that looks like as well. Um... So I I may be the only mediator ever who sends out like (laughs) so many emails, um, just kind of preparing people and and setting their expectations. Uh, One thing that I tell folks is, you know, if you want to see me or talk to me the morning before your mediation, you need to set an appointment. So don't anticipate that I'm not going to come running into the building (laughs) exactly at our start time, because that may very well happen. If I need to do something for my kids in the morning, that has to get done. I will be there to start the mediation on time, but I may not be there early for you to talk to. So if you need that, schedule an appointment. So it's really, I just continue to set expectations and reinforce the boundaries with everyone all the time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> communication is so important for ourselves yes. for our kids for our spouse for our work and you know that's one of those things that when do we even talk about communication until we get to college we're not really talking or learning about communication um other than what we pick up and let's be honest our parents were not probably always the best at communicating no not a, not I definitely had to get help <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that's great. I think that's excellent. I think the more clear you can be with people and explicit and everybody have expectations on the same page, that's the number one way that things go south is like unmet expectations, like right. whether it's your kids, your spouse, your clients, whoever. So I love that you do that. I think that's excellent. And whether or not they think the, uh, you know, emails are excessive, I guarantee you they're clear on what, <laughs>
0: What to expect? So that's a, right. that's important. That's right, excellent. Absolutely. It's like, oh, I hope you weren't looking for me because I told you not to. <laughs> Refer back to the email.
1: <laughs> so, how did? I mean, how did you get this all going? Like the whole, you know, you just jumped, literally jumped into entrepreneurship, basically. Oh, I did, and yep. started your own business, and then had to get going. How How did you do that? Was it you know? Overwhelming? Was it scary? How did you find your clients?
0: It was terrifying. <laughs> it was absolutely terrifying. But um, I just said, I know that this is what I'm meant to do. Um, this is going to be my full time career. I'm going to be. Um, a working mediator. I'm going to work every single day, and that that's what's going to happen. And so I just continued to reach out to contacts that I had. I used social media a lot to reach people, um, and and just I mean, really, just kept it pushing. Um, and I just I would not give up. There's just no way. I mean, I'm a very confident person, so let's just say that. Um, but there was just no way I was going to fail like that. That never entered my mind that it wouldn't work. I was afraid that it would take longer than I wanted it to take, Um, and since I didn't have any other source of income, I was I was definitely a little worried about that. Um, But I knew eventually it would work. I knew I just had to keep working at it, keep trying, and and uh, I did. I mean, the first I guess year I rarely was at home very rarely if i was at home i was doing like back to back zoom meetings trying to meet folks um and yeah i was just reaching out to people I'm like hey um, I'm new um, in this business, but I've been in the industry for a long time. Let's have a conversation. Like, what's important to you? Um, how are you selecting mediators? Like, just kind of getting a lot of feedback from people. And you know, you have a positive interaction with someone, um, and they're they're likely to tell other people about you. Right. So it was definitely a domino effect. There's only so many people I can personally talk to anyway. <laughs> right. Um, and I did a lot of um, mailings, uh, oddly enough, but just so that people would see me, know my name. be like, oh, I do remember her. I had a case against her. I had, you know, I worked with her or or that kind of a thing, just making sure I was um, top of mind, right? When people were thinking about mediators. I also went way out of my way to do a lot of continuing legal education classes and putting on classes for people and g- giving them um, opportunities to learn from me um, and making it very easy for them to do uh, and, and handling all of the, you know, hey, I'll cover the, the CLE Cost, which is four dollars a person. Um, so those were the types of things I did. I just I, I made it so that people were uh, drawn into what I was doing, so that they would then be drawn to me. So it's hard to get someone to say, "Oh, I want her to be my mediator," and they have no idea who you are. Like it's not going to happen. So I had to make sure people felt like they knew who i was and that was another reason i did the podcast um and so you know i would send that link out to folks and they would watch it on youtube um and then that way they're looking at you they can see you get a feel for your personality and they start they really start to think that they know you and if, i mean of course they don't but they have a pretty good idea of what it might be like to sit in a room with you for 8 hours <laughs> absolutely uh, and so that that really helped and it really worked. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I just went, I went hard.
1: <laughs> and so when you did that, I mean, because backing up to what, you know, you explained how that went, you went mm-hmm. to have the conversation and say, I wanted to start working on my mediation practice with your, um, you know, superiors or partners mm-hmm. or whoever at the firm. And your intention was to do that. And then they said, no, we don't really like that idea. So you decided I'm all in. This is what I'm going to do. Did you have kind of like a rainy day fund or was that kind of so quick that you hadn't really thought about what you were going to do if there was a, a desert period in the income?
0: Right. Well, you know, I had savings. I didn't have any credit card debt. I did have, you know, the mortgage um, and of course at the time, you know, my husband's still working, um, you know, I'm not expecting COVID <laughs> to put, to put, put a stop to everything. Yes. Um, because my, my husband is a, a gigging musician. So there, there was no work for him for a very long time. So that was, that was frightening. So that was, um, Hey, I really do have to make this work and I need to make it work now. What do I need <laughs> to do? Um, and so, you know, we, we got through that, we got through that thankfully we had a lot of savings but yeah <laughs> yeah it it did it took a lot to get us through it um but really you know I just I knew it was going to be worth it I knew in my heart that that's where I needed to be it was it's always I mean it's always been my dream and my goal to be a full time um career mediator and not a I didn't want it as a retirement career which is what a lot of people do like, oh, I've litigated for 30, 40 years. Time to mediate. I'm like, that's, you know, that's not me. That's not what I wanted. And um, frankly, I don't think many of those folks are going to be the best type of mediator they could be. Um, It takes a lot of energy. (laughs) A lot of energy to do this work. And I think it it is underestimated by a lot of people. Um, Mediation is an art form. It is not simply running numbers back and forth. There's a lot that goes into it. It is hard, exhausting work. So, you know, I really don't understand why anybody would want to retire and then start this.
1: (laughs) Did you experience any kind of imposter syndrome when you were moving into this or because of what you had done in building up your skills and your arsenal of tools, um, you felt ready to go?
0: Uh, I would say (sighs) imposter syndrome. I, I did relate to it a bit at first um, and then kind of worked through that in therapy <laughs> again another plug for therapy uh, and I realized like I, you have worked hard, very hard you know what you're doing. there are plenty of mediocre people running around <laughs> making uh, making a good living at all types of things and like it's like I'm more qualified than you know your average person, right? So I just had to, um, work through that and, and not get bogged down in it. And anytime I was ever nervous or afraid or worried or had any pang of self doubt, it was, you know, ladies suck it up. You can do this. There's no reason you can't. Um, do I know how I did that? I have no idea. I mean, it could have just been winter. I had, you have to make this work because you don't have a job, um, but that that's really what it was. Um and uh, you don't get a whole lot of fake it till you make it, right? It's like I had a girlfriend say to me one time, she said, I'm I'm an expert at this. Like I know I am. I'm so good at what I do, but how do I get other people to recognize that in me? And I said, Well, you tell them you're the expert. Just say it out loud with your big girl voice. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, that's what other people do. They hold themselves out as experts, and they get hired. And and, and it it sounds. And I don't want to make it sound like oh, it's easy, but there are so many people who would never even dream of saying they're an expert or something, and they clearly are, right? Uh, so yeah, go ahead, bite the bullet, say it out loud, and uh, the, there's Step no reason it. you couldn't believe it, right? Own exactly. it. Exactly. If I you mean, don't. That- listen- no one else will.
1: Exactly. And and I think that that is more difficult for women than men. I mean, I think women just have a harder time. And I don't think that's so much you, you and me. I think <laughs> we're both very confident, very say what it is. Here I am. Um, and that's why I just like really want to feed into people, feed into women that like, you have something special. Even mm-hmm. if I don't know you, I know that everybody has something special, some talent, some skill, some expertise, okay? You have to own it. You have to believe it and you have to proclaim it and not be afraid to do that. And that is when all the things, all the magic, all the alignment will come together. And what I heard from you, which I just kind of have to summarize here because I think um, I really want people to hear and see it and feel it is that you know, what you did was scary. I mean, it's not like you have kids, you have a th- you have obligations, yeah. but because you knew this was your purpose and your passion and your dream, you did it anyway. I did. That does did. not mean that that's not scary. That doesn't mean that you, Winter Wheeler, who are extremely confident, extremely smart, talented, experienced, all those things, yet you still had fear. There's still always some little thing back there, you know, some doubt, some nagging feeling, we all have that. But that is what makes the difference is that you did it anyway, despite those fears, and that you overcame any, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't a big amount of self doubt, but whatever self doubt you had, you still overcame it by just doing the thing. And I think sometimes, we can say it over and over and over again. I can tell somebody that, you know, ha, is self, uh, kind of a self-deprecating type person. I can tell them over and over and over again how wonderful they are, how awesome they are. But until you go out and do something like this for yourself and get that feeling, own that feeling, it it's, sometimes can be hard to believe. So you just have to do it. If you have a big dream, if you have a big goal, if there's something that you know that you should be pursuing in life. Do not let it hold you back. I mean, winter went above and beyond with four children, with a husband with an alternative career and just did it because she knew that that's what she was supposed to be doing. And now you are so successful and you have such a great practice and you've been featured um, on TED X two times. You're in a book. I mean, you're just really living the dream. So I want to give you so many high fives and congratulations and kudos. I mean, you really are an example for people, and these are the kind of stories that people need to hear more and more often. Um, because on a picture, on a stage, we look a certain way, we come across a certain way, but we all have similar starting points, to be honest, and mm-hmm. we all have similar fears. It's just whether or not you let them hold you back.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And even now when listening to you kind of summarize that, I'm like, wow, you really did do that. (laughs) I know sometimes. And well, and
1: that's what you said something earlier about, you know, when you're going back to work and all this stuff is going on and, you know, kids and you know what, it's the same thing. Like, even though you're living your dream and you know you're feeling very happy and satisfied with what you're doing every day, we still need to hear it sometimes like, wow, you're doing a good job. You are crushing it. And I think as moms, you also want to hear that. Like, it's okay to take two tiny baby steps back when you come back from maternity leave or whatever. Yeah. You could, you can kind of ease back into it where we're type A people. Our natural inclination is to like, go hard. I have to go hard. I'm not keeping up. Da, da, da. We need to tell the other women around us, it's okay. And you're doing a good job. Right. No matter
0: what. Success is what you want to
1: be. Absolutely. And you are crushing it. So I really, I love it. (laughs) And I'd love to be able to pull this out and for people to hear it because I just think it's going to have a lot of momentum for other people, um, for them to hear and see this. So the last thing I would ask before we close out is, you know, whether it relates to building a business, career or mompreneuring, um, what would you want women to hear? What's the message, something else that we haven't touched on that you might want people to hear before we sign out? Oh
0: my gosh. Um, I would say, try to give yourself as much grace as possible. Give yourself the grace that you know you are giving everyone around you. Uh, don't expect perfection from yourself. I mean, ever, but certainly not on a because consistent basis. And I think the best piece of advice that I have ever received is you make the decisions that you make when you make them with the information that you have at the time. Don't second guess yourself. Don't keep looking back with hindsight. It just will drive you crazy. Make that decision the best you can when you make it and just move forward, trust yourself. Trust yourself.
1: I love it. That is great, solid, timeless advice. And we know that you have kids waiting for you. <laughs> thank you for sharing this time after your busy mediation schedule. It has been fantastic talking to you. Um, we'll have show notes on where everybody can find you, Winter. Thank you again. And for everybody else, just remember, do it scared. Do it if you don't have the money. Do it if you don't have the time. You find time and you find money and you are able to get over the fear for the things that matter most to you. So ask yourself if it really matters the most, if you're not willing to do it scared, put in the time or put in the money, okay? I know that you're made for more. Until next time, we'll bring you more wonderful guests, lots of tips and feedback on how to keep building your dream and helping you get clear. Thanks for listening in. If you loved what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. Tag us on social media so we can give you a big shout out. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want more, head on over to the website where you can learn all about what we do to serve and support our entire community. Until next time, keep dreaming big and getting clear. You are made for more. So start living like it today.